And Jesus sat on the hillside and said, Blessed are those who mourn. Really? Really? Do any of us really believe that this is true? And Jesus sat on the hillside and said, Blessed are those who mourn. Melbourne, 5pm, Friday, I held her feet. I held her tiny feet. And the woman, the other woman, I don't know who she was, she had just appeared in any way. She held her arms, the baby's arms, and then the policeman, he started CPR. It was only with two fingers, you know, because she was so small. And then they took her away on the, the you know, the trolley. And Jesus sat on the hillside and said, Blessed are those who mourn. As it stands, five people have died as a result of their injuries caused by the violent rage of a broken man behind a wheel. As it stands, over 20 others have been hospitalised. Blessed are those who mourn. What does this even mean? And how can, how can any of those left behind after Friday's massacre feel in any sense that they are blessed? Blessed as in blessed adjective, late 12th century, supremely happy, also consecrated. Blessed as in bless, verb, old English, blettizen, to consecrate, make holy, give thanks. Blessed from the proto-Germanic blodstion, hallowed with blood, to mark with blood blessed, from the Latin benedictsir and the Greek eulogion, both of which mean to speak well of, to praise. And so again, we ask, how are those who now mourn so deeply in our city, how are they to find blessing? Two possible answers. Firstly, they may find it in the morning of Melbourne in the flowers and the prayers and the vigils, in the way that Melbourne has bowed her head to say, the death of your child, your son, your daughter. This has not gone unnoticed, which does not take away from the vast emptiness of their pain or the astonishment of the amputation of the loss but it does at least say, we, your city, we see, we see. So that's the first answer. The second answer is less an answer and more a correction to the question, so that instead of asking how can these individuals be blessed in their mourning, we could hear from the scholars that argue that these words of blessing were never actually intended to comfort the individual anyway, and that Jesus was not speaking about personal grief when he declared these words, but was instead speaking about the grieving of a community, a community who laments the current state of the world and who sees how far it has come from the fullness of God's kingdom, and that it is this grief that will be comforted, because this collective grief this can lead to action, and this action can lead to transformation, which will then lead to blessedness. 
because their hunger for righteousness has been filled, which leads us back back to the Beatitudes. Blessed are those who hunger. Blessed are those who thirst for righteousness. Righteousness as in actively doing the will of God. United States of America, Friday, 10 a.m. On the day before the inauguration of the new president of the USA, hundreds and thousands of women decided to put their thirst for righteousness into action. These women gathered in Washington and across many other major U.S. cities in a kind of counter-inauguration for President Trump. They listened to each other. They shared concrete strategies about what was to be done so that together they can stand up to a man and a regime that is blatant in its sexism, its racism, and its misogyny. And in solidarity with these American women, people, men and women from all around the world attended the hundreds of sister marches that occurred across the globe. Sydney, Melbourne, Berlin, London, Paris, Nairobi, Cape Town, marching in solidarity with those in Washington and marching also in opposition to the values that they think Trump represents. And what does Trump represent? Entitlement, misogyny, the tyrant. The young man who ploughed down the brother and the daughter and the husband and the baby in the street was also filled with the energy of the tyrant, out on bail for family violence, and he roared his rage into the stolen car, and he claimed his destruction, fist in air. Now, we don't know this young man's story. We don't know the journey that he has gone on from being a vulnerable child. But we do know that in that moment, he was the tyrant. And we also know this. This endless age of violence against women. Violence in the family and violence on the streets and violence in the corridors of power has got to come to an end. And this end will only come if we stand up to the tyrant in his many many forms. Those who marched across the globe against a racist, sexist power are standing up against the tyrant. And those in our own city who have wept and bent their knee in powerful vulnerability and those who were first responders running into the panic rather than running away, they too, they too are standing up to the tyrant and saying, not on our watch, One of the victims was a little girl, a 10-year-old girl. My own little girl, the one who was about to turn 10 this year, saw the front page of the newspaper and wanted to know what had happened. Is it like the man in the truck in France? She asks. Yes, I said, sort of. And like the man with the petrol on the bus? Yes, I said, sort of. And like that man in Brunswick who hurt that woman? Yes, I said, sort of. 
Why is it always men? She asks. That's a very good question, I said. And then she cried, as we have all cried. What can we do? She asked. What can we do? And, oh, mummy, did he hurt little children? Yes, I said. And then I said, when bad things happen, we have three choices. We can shut down from the pain and ignore it. We can do bad things back. Or we can join, we can join with all the other good people who are weeping and angry and we can do everything, everything we can to be part of stopping anything like this from happening again. So blessed are we who mourn and blessed are we who hunger for righteousness and let us join with the Holy Spirit who sung from the heart of Jesus as he sat on that grassy hill so long ago. Let us join with this spirit to bring about the holy healing of this earth.